Hello, my good people. Welcome back to More Than Us. Today is Tuesday, July 14th. Um, as some of you may know, may not know, I'm not sure. I've been relatively busy lately, working on a few different things, projects, whatnot, a few adventures uh, in my own life. And I'm looking forward to everybody seeing some of them soon, not everything, but I'm looking forward to some people seeing some of those things soon manifest themselves. Uh, and I promise I'll update my news page as well, because I think the last thing that I may have posted on there was a, a COVID-19 tracking chart, or it might have been the the EU. Um, I was showing um, the response from the EU in terms of travel and COVID-related issues around that. But, sad to say, um, I'll definitely get back on my news page soon, uh, so looking forward to that. And... You know, the obvious but crazy part of it all is when I get busy, everything stops, you know, um, I'll figure out a content strategy soon enough, but I was just thinking to myself, you know, if I get busy with certain things in life or whatever it may be, um, that, be, that kind of hinders the amount of content I can post on the news page or kind of, you know, messes up my planning process for my actual podcast. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, in my absence, though, I've been really pressed to cover the Ethiopia-Egypt dispute around the Grand Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia. So the Grand Renaissance Dam is a project, project, dam, whichever, whichever way you want to look at it. It's a project that was created by Ethiopia in 2011 to more effectively facilitate the water flow and electricity throughout the country. And if you know me personally, you know I'm self-proclaimed Ethiopian. The self-proclamation comes really from me not doing my 23andMe yet to actually know where I'm actually from in Africa. But also, it kind of comes from this affinity that I have for Ethiopian culture. You know, in another life or maybe even this one, um, if it ever makes sense for me, I love to spend some years in Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia, and then just fully immerse myself in the culture as best as I can. But anyways, let's dig into it. Ethiopia, often referred to as the water tower of Africa, because it has, you know, an ever-abundant water source or, you know, ever-abundant water resources um, that is really the greatest collection of water in the whole of Africa, when you think about it. More than 30 rivers originate in the Great Plateau. 14 major rivers pour off the high tableland. And it also has the greatest water reserves in Africa, like I said before. Among the numerous lakes, Lake Tana in the north is the source of the Blue Nile. Now, why is that important? The Blue Nile feeds into the Nile River, which is in Egypt. And the White Nile, which starts in Sudan, connects with the Blue Nile, and that feeds into the Nile River as well. Now, remember I said this, as it'll be important later in the in the episode. Um, so when you think about Ethiopia, you want to think that Ethiopia has the second largest hydropower potential in Africa. Second largest. With only 10% of it developed. 10%. So you think Ethiopia has the highest hydropower potential with only 10% developed. There's a lot of opportunity there. You know, a lot of opportunity to spur growth through electricity, through power, 
Now, Ethiopia and Egypt have been disputing the creation of this dam since 2011. You know, when it's fully operational, it will be the largest hydroelectric plant in Africa. And it's projected to provide power to 65 million Ethiopians. 65 million who currently lack regular electricity. The construction, which began in 2011, is almost complete. You know, when I think back to my time I spent in Ethiopia, I was working um, in Ethiopia for NGO, and I spent a lot of time at uh, the United Nations uh, facilities uh, that were there, as well as my NGO. Didn't spend any time over at the African Union, but during my time at the United Nations, one thing that they made sure of was that the United Nations facilities through their power reserves or whatever mechanisms were there, that the United Nations would always have power through whatever outages may have occurred in Ethiopia. So when I'm at work and I'm at you know the United Nations facilities or compounds or I'm at my NGO or I was at my NGO and we were going to the United Nations, I was able to complete my work. I was able to communicate with the outside world. I was able to do everything I needed to do. But the moment I got back to my compound, Let's say the country was in a power shortage and let's say that power shortage lasted a week and a half. This isn't the typical, you know, live in Brooklyn and optimum is down or national grid is down outage where it may last a day or two or even a few hours. When things go down in Ethiopia, they go down for a prolonged period. So everything that you plan to do then becomes null and void. Ethiopia faces an acute shortage of electricity with about 70% of the population that's not connected to the grid on a consistent basis. So when you think about energy, when you think about um, you know, an equitable resource or an effective resource rather, that will be able to provide electricity for the country, you think, okay, why not? Go ahead and build this dam, this Grand Renaissance Dam that Ethiopia wants to construct. Ethiopia looks at this dam as a matter of national sovereignty. But when you think about even the countries in the area, the Horn of Africa, where Ethiopia is, East Africa, you think Sudan, you think South Sudan, you think Kenya, you think Djibouti, you think Eritrea, uh, among others. These are all countries that can benefit from the power that will be generated by this dam. Now, Egypt, Egypt is the other player in this entire situation. Egypt is reaching out everywhere, trying to garner support to make this dam not happen as it is currently being projected to happen. You know, I mentioned the African Union earlier. That's supposed to be the body within Africa that handles affairs, uh, geopolitical affairs, discrepancies and everything else across the, the continent. But Egypt thought to themselves, hey, look, let's take it a step further. Let's reach out to the United Nations Security Council. Funny enough, you know, shameless plug. I used to work for the UN Security Council as well, but in counterterrorism. Um, but Ethiopia... Egypt rather Egypt reached out to the Security Council hoping to garner support from larger countries such as the US and say look we don't need this dam here especially as it's currently being planned this is gonna mess us up Egypt came out and said this is a threat of potentially existential proportions that has emerged it can erode on the single source of livelihood of over a hundred million Egyptians this is what the country's foreign minister came to the United Nations and said. Now, I understand there are a lot of Egyptians in Egypt, obviously, over 100 million. But I will say that's a bit dramatic. 
That definitely is a bit dramatic. Ethiopia's ambassador to the United Nations responded and said, For Ethiopia, accessing and utilizing the water resources is not a matter of choice, but of existential necessity. So when you think about the key word that these two leaders are using as they try to get support on both their sides, existential crisis, really existential. When you look at it, it's an existential crisis. So in further assessing the situation, you have two countries who really don't want to concede to either side, but they definitely want to push forth their agendas and say, look, we want it this way. Y'all want it that way. I mean, I don't know if we can find a middle ground, but this is what needs to happen. Both of these countries are on different playing fields in terms of how they want to assess what's going on. Is it right? Is it wrong? That's for you to decide because there are arguments for each side to say who's right and who's wrong. But at that point, once you have all the facts in front of you, that's when you can really make your own judgment and assessment to say, okay, I think this has some validity. I think this might be nonsense. But in the meantime, the research is the most important part to truly understand what's going on. Definitely need to understand the cultural context around the situation because understanding the cultural context in situations like this is important in terms of how we create paths and lanes to move forward. Ethiopia from jump wanted to negotiate this entire dam and the discrepancy between it with the African Union, but Egypt wanted to go to the United Nations. You know, there was a treaty in 1929 and there was another one in 1959, but the treaty in 1959 gave Egypt and Sudan rights to nearly all of the Nile River's waters. You know, back in the 1920s, that was a colonial era. So when you think about the colonial era document that gave Egypt veto powers, it gave Egypt veto powers on any projects by upstream countries that would affect its share of the waters. Ethiopia, upstream country. The Blue Nile, like I mentioned earlier, feeds into the Nile River. Ethiopia came out and said, look, we understand, you know, what, what was passed and, you know, what's in place, whatever. Ah, ah, ah. But look, we're not trying to be bound by decades old treaties and laws. And we're going to go ahead and we're going we're gonna to start building this dam. At the start of the Arab Spring in 2011, they did that. If, if you guys remember the Arab Spring, the uprising throughout the uh, the Middle East and in Northern African countries against political powers that may be. But to bring the focus back, Ethiopia in 2011 said, look, we're about to we're about to start building this dam and that's what's going to happen. And we're not going to consult you, Egypt. We're going to build the dam and take it. You can stick it to you. So Egypt, the, the reason they even are holding so near and dear to this 1929 treaty is because the British government recognized it as the natural and historical right of Egypt to the waters of the Nile. And like I mentioned, it granted them those veto rights. So Egypt is saying, well, as soon as we got independence, we can get rid of whatever we want to do. We can veto this, we can veto that, and we have these rights to the Nile. We control the narrative. And then... I mentioned 1959, the second treaty that got signed, Egypt and Sudan signed a deal in which both of those countries agreed to share the resources. But plot twist, Ethiopia wasn't included in that treaty at all. 
But wait, isn't that weird? Ethiopia contributes a large portion of the water that goes into the Nile River from the Blue Nile that starts in Ethiopia, but they're not included in the treaty. Why is that? I don't know. Something to look into, something to think about. But it is a bit weird. So the reason, or I guess, you know, a big factor that is at the center of the dispute between these countries is the plans to fill the dam. Egypt fears that the project, you know, will allow Ethiopia to control the flow of Africa's longest river. But hydroelectric power stations don't consume water. Egypt is concerned with the speed at which Ethiopia plans to fill the dam's reservoir. And they think that it will affect the flow of the water as it moves up and down the stream. The longer it takes to fill the reservoir, which is going to be bigger than, I shoot, if we want to compare it to something, it would be bigger than Greater London because it will have a total capacity of 74 billion cubic meters. The less impact it will have on the level of the river. So I said the longer it takes to fill the reservoir, the less impact there will be on the level, the level of the river. Now, Ethiopia wants to do it in six years. Egypt is suggesting that, uh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We need 12 to 21 years to fill it up. Now, hold up. Six years versus 12 to 21 years. You can see why people may not be seeing things eye to eye. Because those are two pretty polar opposite numbers. Six versus at maximum 21 years to fill this dam. Mind you, I said that this dam will provide power for over 70% of the country that's not on the grid. It'll provide electricity for people that are in the neighboring regions. But Egypt is saying 21 years. Understand Egypt has its reasons. It's concerned. 100 million Egyptians rely on the river, the Nile River, and the water source that is being provided. But 21 years to fill the dam? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So as you fully look at this situation and you think to yourself, where do these countries go from here? Is there any resolution? Is there any reconciliation point? These countries have been meeting. Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sudan. Sudan has been meeting because Sudan is kind of caught in the middle Sudan is that that friend that Sudan is the friend that has two friends that hate each other but they both don't have any problems with Sudan so Sudan is just sitting there like hey like Ethiopia stop doing that Egypt stop doing that but guess what Sudan is caught in the middle so these countries have been meeting to discuss what's the most effective way forward what's the most positive path forward for these countries to construct this dam but sadly, we still have not reached a resolution point. And the dam is supposed to be finished in 2020, December. That's when water is going to start to be filled there during the rainy season. What will happen? Who knows? We'll see it play out. We can speculate a lot of things. A bunch of different analysts are saying we think this will happen. We think whatever will happen. One thing I don't think will happen is war in the region. Ethiopia and Egypt are not going to go to war over this. But there will be a lot of tension. I saw the other day that Egypt cyber hacked ethiopia so you'll see a lot of stuff like that but in terms of going to war in terms of you know whatever no there will be tension though because if egypt is not happy if ethiopia is not if either side is not happy naturally there will be tension but i do think that this dam is very important for ethiopia as i mentioned before 
This is a country that needs a stronger power infrastructure grid. And with this dam being created and constructed, it will help the country. It will help the region. It's, it's very beneficial. And I understand the fear from the water ministers in Egypt about how quickly Ethiopia wants to fill the dam. But all in all, I have to side with Ethiopia in this. And not just because they are my people. Self-proclaimed. But because I think it's equitable and I think it's the most positive thing to do for this developing nation moving forward. Anyways, let me know your thoughts. News page is at more than us news. You know, after listening to this episode, after doing your own research, reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts. I'm curious as to what you think about this crisis. And there's also a lot happening in the world when you think about the Hong Kong protests, you think about Black Lives Matter. You think about India-China relations. You think about the Philippines. You think about the spread of COVID across Latin America. It's a lot going on. And we'll be covering that in these coming weeks and episodes and whatnot. But like I said, let me know what you think about the dam, the water crisis, and the best path for these countries to move forward. Let me know if you have any ideas on what the topic should be in the coming weeks. And as always, this is More Than Us News. I am Richard Swoop. Be well. See you soon.